1208. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. So glad to have you with us. So Eric Bilstead, how long have you lived in your house? My current house, uh, almost three years. Okay, and the one before that? Eight. Okay. All right. Almost 30 years in, in my house. Oh. Almost 30 years. 30 years worth of stuff. <laughs> I'm on, honest to God, I'm on the fifth dumpster. Fifth dumpster. I'm on a first-name basis with the guy at the dumpster rental place. Yeah. Hey, Jim, it's Jeff. How are you doing, Jeff? I need another one. You just filled one up last you just, We gave you one. I'm, I'm on my fifth dumpster. Now, has that been sad at all? Has it been hard to choose what to throw away, or are you no. not even thinking about it? Oh, oh garbage, no, no. Maybe, garbage, Maybe Maybe in the beginning. Maybe in the beginning. But there was just so much stuff. No, no, no. It, it's um, And, of course, my, my wife and my sister-in-law and my brother and we, we, a lot of people have been helping and it's okay. just kind of you get numb to it I mean in the kind of in the beginning it's sort of like oh you're kind of sentimental and now it's eh. you know, there was stuff in the attic I told this story before I have my notes from law school why did I think I was going to keep my <laughs> notes from law school is it like, like I thought there was going to be a Jeff Wagner presidential library and stuff but we're actually it I, I'm, I'm on vacation the next couple weeks and so we're, we're actually on Monday the movers are supposed to come and we're not Mostly, we bought a lot of new furniture, but mm-hmm. the stuff from the house that's going—it's going on Monday. So after that, you know, and, and I've got these the, the great contractor who's been you know going room by room, sure. and rehabbing the place, taking up carpet, and finding these great hardwood floors that I didn't know that existed. So you know, <laughs> whoever buys the house is going to get great hardwood floors and things like that. But it's fifth dumpster. That, that, that's <laughs> incredible. That's it, impressive. It, well, it, it's something, you know. It's, <laughs> it's 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 something, and there's still. You know, because when you know they're they're taking up the carpet, and there's there's still two more rooms where they have to remove the carpet and stuff. But fifth dumpster, fifth dumpster. So not bad, not bad. Um, I'm going to be gone for the next two weeks. Um, of course, celebrating the holidays, but uh, and, and maybe I'm trying to hope to to get out of town for a couple of days. I don't know if that's going to work out or not. But when you say, okay, what do you do on vacation? Well, in this case, it's going to be moving stuff from one place and trying to get situated in another place and hopefully we'll make a dent on that and as i was saying earlier to both steve and eric i'm my current frustration is i can't find a set a spare set of car keys to this uh car and i just i i, I don't even have any idea where they were i when i last saw them they were in this kit in the kitchen right before the rehab of the kitchen started who knows and they're probably in some box somewhere and a number of people are texting me saying just just kind of let it go, which it, it's probably that. Just kind of let it go. All right, let's get started. We've got a lot of ground to cover. Like I say, I've got three hours left in the year. And by the way, let me just say a very Merry Christmas to everybody. I, I'll do that a little bit later on. And Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. I, I'm so happy that we've had another trip around the sun together. All right. I am not a guy that is particularly into the, these drones that now it's a great hobbying thing. I have a friend who's very much into these things, and, and, and he likes them a lot, um, and, and he does it as a hobby. I have been concerned with certain aspects of the privacy thing with these drones. You know, the drones are like the, the I, I don't want to say that they're model helicopters, but that's you know, sort of it. You know, you fly them up, and now lots of people are doing it. Um, you can get them for as cheap as a hundred bucks. That you can put cameras on them, and I've been concerned a little bit with some of the privacy implications of that. That is, people like flying these drones, and there was a story where it had a guy who shot down one of these drones that was flying over his backyard where his teenage daughter was sunbathing and things like that. And, and I think, I think that they there are some legitimate concerns uh, uh, about this. I also appreciate that there is some, well, potential 
danger when you're flying these things up in the air. If you lose control of them and they crash and they come down, I, I think they could hurt somebody. Having said that, I think you need to be careful not to overreact. Okay, here's the story, The way, and this is big story number one, the way they reported in the Journal Sentinel. Greenfield. Greenfield, about a week ago, approved an ordinance to keep drones a safe distance away from people. Police requested the ordinance, and the Common Council unanimously approved it, making Greenfield one of the first communities around here to regulate drones. Like I say, now you can buy a drone for around 100 bucks. My guess is a lot of people are going to get them for Christmas presents. Um, and Greenfield is concerned that people might buy them and try to fly them over emergency situations. Hmm. So here's here's the deal. This is what the rules say to people who have bought, purchased these drones and want to operate them in Greenfield. First of all, drones cannot be within 500 feet of any emergency incident. So that's one and a half football fields or even of any emergency vehicle with its emergency lights or siren on. The 500-foot rule also applies to any law enforcement jail or municipal lockup facility. So they're saying you can't fly a drone within 500 feet of, really, the courthouse, you know, in many cases, because that's where, like, the jail is. Um, The ordinance says drones can't be within 500 feet of any festival, event, picnic, protest, or public assembly of more than 100 people. They can't be within 500 feet, which is one and a half football fields, of a school when school is in session or during school-sponsored events without prior authorization of the principal. Additional rules, um, no persons will operate a drone in such a way to create a disturbance. Drones are not to be flown recklessly. Drones can't take off or land from private property without the property owner's consent. Okay, those things. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Look, I understand that there's, again, there's certain privacy concerns, but let me just be honest about this. This is one of the most screamingly illegal ordinances I have ever heard of. There, there, if somebody challenges this, in, in my humble opinion, there is no way in the world that something like this is constitutional. And I don't know what they're thinking down in Greenfield. Now, I understand, first of all, they've never, to my knowledge, had a situation where a drone crashed and hurt somebody. All right. But to say that you can't fly a drone within 500 feet of a, 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 of a municipal building where there's a jail or a lockup, to say that you can't fly it within 500 feet of a, of a picnic or a gathering or a festival, you know, where there's more than 100 people, this is, this is an absurd overreach. There is, I can't imagine there is any way in the world, if somebody challenges this, that something like this would be constitutional. I also tell you, I think this is an incredible overreach. Clearly, if somebody's flying a drone in an irresponsible way, that, that's fine. What it sounds like this is all about to me is some of the police and some of the municipalities, some of the people in, in Greenfield are concerned that, gee, there could be somebody with this drone up there that's, for example, filming you know, what we're doing, and, well, we're embarrassed. We don't like what they're doing. You know, it might show something here. I mean, I just think, again, you have some public right of way. If you are doing it in irresponsible fashion, that, that's fine. But this, this is absurd. 
it, 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 I tell you what, it is a lawsuit waiting to happen. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. You can't fly a drone within 500 feet of a jail, which means you can't fly it within 500 feet, a football field and a half of a municipal building. Because how many courthouses, for example, have jails attached to them? Really? What is the purpose of this if it is not to try to prevent the public from finding out things that you are doing. Look, I'm as pro-law enforcement as they come. This is a horrible, horrible ordinance. Ryan in Racine. Ryan, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Ryan. Yeah, so I was just uh, stating um, when I called in basically that the legal height for a drone to fly is 500 feet. So there's kind of a loophole there that they chose 500 feet. Basically, you could still fly legally at 500 feet above an event. So it's kind of interesting that they chose 500 feet as their limit. Can't be within 500 feet of any emergency incident. So what do you think they're doing? What do you think the purpose of this is? Um, It's extremely interesting that you could still fly directly above something, and with the camera quality these days, 500 feet, um, I think it's pretty lenient, actually, as a drone pilot, because you could still actually legally fly right at that 500-foot limit and still get the photography or get the pictures or the video you needed. Um, you think that it means that you think that they're allowed to fly overhead at above 500 feet? Well, legally you cannot fly above 500 feet. You yeah. can fly up to 500 feet. So you're right in that gray area. So it's pretty interesting that they chose 500 feet. Yeah, thanks for call. I mean, I, I think that, I mean, look, I, I think the purpose of this is to, again, try to restrict, and I, I understand, what, what you, you don't want these drones interfering with the emergency operations. But, I mean, my goodness, they're saying that you can't fly a drone within 500 feet of, say, a police car that's driving? Come on, give me a break here. And, again, I, I often describe this as, you know, a, a problem looking for a solution looking for a problem. I mean, it's not like people have been crashing these. Seems to me that you come out with an ordinance and you say if somebody flies this in a reckless fashion, if somebody interferes with law enforcement, that's fine, as opposed to trying to put this restraint that's out there saying, no, you can't be within 500 feet. Mike in Elkhorn. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, oh, I can turn my GPS off. Hey, um, okay, so I want to weigh in on this. I'm commercially licensed to fly a drone. And what you have to do is you have to go and physically be sit at an airport and get licensed by the FAA. Now, Ryan's comment uh, in your previous call that the limit is 400 feet. However, commercially licensed, you can fly higher than that as long as you're within a certain feet of a structure. But um, there's several different things here that um, that – they're maybe being a little lenient on. You cannot fly above people unless you have permission from the people. And this all comes from the Code of Federal Regulations, mm-hmm. Part 107. So there's 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 some there's some things here that they may want to be a little bit more um, harsh on or, or 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 more lenient on. So there's there's some things that they may not have really fully looked into. And they're trying to enforce when you got the First Amendment involved. Well, right, right, and see, right, and, see, and that's thanks for calling. I mean, see, that, that's where the problem is. You do have this First Amendment right. I understand a concern that you don't want people, you know, you don't want these drones fly, flying over 
large festivals and then somebody losing control and the thing crashing into people. I, I, I get all that. But at the same time, to put this arbitrary limit of, you know, one and a half football fields um, to try to keep these drones away from these various activities, I just don't see any way something like this is going to be legal. Plus, I, I don't think that it's going to be I, I, again, I, I just don't think that this is going to be upheld should anybody challenge this. Is this really a problem? I think not. All right, coming up in just a couple minutes, big story number two. Kids out in Arrowhead High School are whining that mom and dad might find out where they're going on the Internet. We will discuss. Stick around. 1223, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. All right, big story number two. All right, the kids are whining at Arrowhead High School. Now, let's back up for a second. If I am at work, and if you are at work, and you choose to use your company's Internet server, chances are it is going to be monitored. And that's just the reality. Now, that, that's certainly the case if you use your company's um, email. So, like, if you... You know, send me a note, and I respond to it at the official email I have through WTMJ. Uh, of course, the company has the right to do it. In addition, if I like, I have a personal email account as well. But if I go, if I use it at work, for example, I use my work computer, I log on to the internet service, the server provided by WTMJ. Even though I'm using my personal email account, if I'm on WTMJ server, my employer is going to, since I'm using their Internet server, they're, they're going to, if they want to track, there's nothing interesting in my email, trust me on that, but if they, they want to track it, they can. And I understand that that's what happens when I am using, again, the server provided by my employer. Now, it's a different story. For example, if I am at home, um, I don't think... Let us assume, for the sake of argument, that I'm at home and I want to send emails, and I'm not using the company email, but rather I'm using my personal email on the personal server that I am paying for. Um, well, in that case, this, the, the company, I don't think, has any right to look at those things. That's a personal matter. But if I'm using either the company email or I'm using the company Wi-Fi, well, then I, I kind of understand that since they're paying the freight for that, they're going to have a right to look at it. So here's what they're doing out at Arrowhead High School. And here's the way the Journal Sentinel reports it. Students and some parents at Arrowhead High School are pushing back against a new web filtering service the school is putting in place, calling it an invasion of privacy and an attempt to micromanage student lives online. One of the chief complaints, for the kids at least, is that the parents can now opt to get a weekly accounting of all the websites the students visit during the school day. The filters will run not only on all school-owned devices. So if you, if you log in um, at a school computer and you go visit websites, okay, that's going to be tracked. But in addition... Student, they will also track student-owned devices if they are connected to the school's Wi-Fi. So in other words, kid's got a smartphone. Kid wants to sit and use the school Wi-Fi to access different stuff. The school is going to track that as, as well. 
Um, in addition to blocking inappropriate sites, uh, they will monitor students' internal searches and social media posts, flag them for references that suggest such things as drug use, cyberbullying, suicide, etc., and share students' internet browsing histories with parents who want them. All right? So the parents, if they don't care, if you don't care what your kid is, what sites your kid is visiting, you don't have to worry about it. You know, you can just say, I don't care. It's not a big deal to me. But if your kid goes to school and uses the school either facilities or uses the school Wi-Fi, you know, they're going to track it. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, I have no problem with this a- at all. I guess I just think this is kind of the expectation. If you are going to, again, if you're going to use the school resources, either logging on to the school Wi-Fi or using the school computers yourself, I think you should expect that there is going to be some degree of tracking. Now, like I say, if the parents don't care about it, they can opt out. But I don't have any problem like this at all. And the bottom line is, if you don't want to be tracked, if you don't want this to happen, well, don't log on to the school's Wi-Fi or don't use the school's facilities to search the Internet. 414-799-1620 is a number. If you're on the line, please hold on. We discuss next. It's 1228. This is Jeff Wagner. 1235, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Big story number two. I, I swear, I don't understand why this is controversial. If you don't want the school tracking which interset, internet sites your kid visits, all right, well, then it's real simple. Your kid either shouldn't use the school computers to visit the sites, or alternatively, the kid shouldn't log on to the school's Wi-Fi. That, that's the issue. Once you log on to the school's Wi-Fi, I think you've given up your right to privacy in that regard. And for the parents who are complaining about this, I mean, wouldn't you... And wouldn't you want to know, you know, what's, what websites your your kid is visiting? Just asking. Let's start with Tom in Milwaukee. Tom, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi. Hi yes. Um, I just had a, the same thing happen um, at my son's school. He's a sixth grader, and he logged on to a questionable site. Um, you know, it was singing body parts. And I asked the <laughs> principal what that meant. And he's like, think of the worst-case scenario. And that's, that's what it is. what it was. And so I used it as a teaching moment, but I was glad that I was informed of it. You know, he's, you know, off the computer and lost yeah. his phone for a month. Um, yeah, you want to know, right, you know about know. it. Yeah, you wanted, right, you wanted to know what he was doing and so that you could react yeah. appropriately. Because if it wasn't for the school telling you, you wouldn't know that he was visiting this particular known. website. Yeah. No, and... You know, I we use it as a teaching moment. It's like what you do never goes away. And, you know, you look back, you know, 30-year allegations, 40-year allegations. Yeah. It's like, you know, you could hurt yourself in the future. So I, I think it was a good thing that they notified me, and I'm, I'm not opposed that they're monitoring that. Well, right. And plus, I think, Tom, I mean, you did, ended up doing the right thing because now it, it allows you to have that conversation with your son as to what – appropriate uses of the internet are and what appropriate uses of that cell phone are and what they aren't and if he doesn't get the message then maybe you consider taking the phone away or something like that 
Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. No. Thanks. Thanks. I mean, see, that's. I, I guess. See, that's how I, I think a responsible parent would handle something like this. Now, in the story in the paper, they quote some attorney as saying, "Well, this this is potentially dangerous because that means that, you know, l- let's say that you're 16 years old and you visit this inappropriate site, and 30 or 40 years later, you know, somebody can go back and say you visited this inappropriate site. Well, okay, is that really any different than? I don't know. It, now the technology has changed, but let's say you were going to you were going to libraries and you were checking out whatever you know. And th- there, there's a library card. There's a record of that type of stuff. Once you once you start using other resources, once you go to the library, or in this particular case, once you start using you know internet that is provided by somebody else. Well, you, you give up some of that right to privacy. And again, the simple way around this is don't use the school's Wi-Fi if it's a if it's a big deal. But again, I liken it again to, you know, the, the adult sort of thing. Like I say, if I want to use my email or I want to use my whether if I want to use my WTMJ email, I, I can do that. But I understand that it might be at some point in time, you know, somebody might look at it from the company because I'm using their facilities. And similarly, if I log on to the Wi-Fi, even though it's my private email, if I'm using the company's Wi-Fi, I, I expect that they might be able to look at it. James in West Dallas. James, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, Jeff. Yeah, Hi, I appreciate your uh, previous caller. I work as a, a pastor, work with middle schoolers mm-hmm. all the time. Um, one of the constant things we're working with is making sure their use of technology is healthy for them. We owe them a, a great deal of oversight on this, and I think helping the parents learn how to hold their kids accountable for what they do online and mm-hmm. helping them see some of the technology that's available is fantastic. Well, our, our, I mean, our last caller clearly yeah. was shocked that his yeah. kid was on this particular website. You know, and he, he had no idea that his son would be doing would be on a website like this, and he was glad to find that out that the kid was doing it, so he could kind of dis, uh, he could talk about the conduct. Absolutely, and and unfortunately, the the reality is they get themselves into trouble all the time. And you mentioned cyberbullying. I mean, it, it happens every even at a good Christian school like ours. It happens. <laughs> and and we combat it, we, we talk about it, we try to educate the parents about it, but the reality is it's out there, and we have mm-hmm. to, we're at the front end of this a lot of the times, and the parents are catching up because they just don't know, so we need to help. Well, and, and think about think about the problem we have with sexting. I mean, how many yeah. stories do we have, James, where you where you have the, the high school girl or boy, you know, who, who sends the inappropriate pictures and things like that, and then everybody's shocked once this goes public. Now, you know, maybe something like this helps deter that type of stuff or helps catch some things in the bud, you know, before. Okay, somebody does something inappropriate. Well, at least you can alert people and maybe find out in the beginning before it's disseminated to hundreds or thousands of people. I'm just saying it. it yeah. yeah. I, I think a, a key truth that, that this particular age group, middle school and high school, needs to get through their heads is, is um, you, can't, you can't rely on the secrecy of the Internet to hide your bad behavior. And, <laughs> yeah. um, and what you do in secret needs to be known because it can damage relationships. It, it can destroy your ability to get a job. It can destroy your credibility among your peers. And we have students that are just outcasts now because of the foolish things they've done online. And we attempted to warn. We attempted to train. But, you know, they, they, they make themselves a the wreck online. Right. No, th- thanks for calling. And, th- and, that's, and that, to me, this is a pro-student 
type of situation. And again, the 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 parents, if the parents don't want to know, if they view this as a nuisance and, and they don't care, and and maybe you don't, I'm, and maybe you don't care, maybe you're not worried about what your kid's doing on the internet, and and so it doesn't matter to you, you know, and so you can opt out of this, and so the school's not going to force it on you unless it's something that's like clearly inappropriate. But I guess if I'm sending my 14-year-old child to school and the, the kid is using the cell phone that I am paying for, the smartphone to access the Internet or using the iPod that I am paying for, I want to know what sites he's visiting. I don't think that makes you a bad parent at all. And if the kid's going to a singing body parts thing or a you know fill in the blank, I think you type a website, I think you want to know it. And I don't get what the opposition to this would be. All right. Coming up next, a proposal by some Democratic legislators that I think goes too far. Now, you might you might accuse me of being soft on drunk driving. I'm not, but I want to talk to you about this. Stick around. That's coming up next. It's Big Story number 3. It's 1243. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 1246, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. All eyes will be on Aaron Rodgers Sunday as he takes the field for the first time in nearly two months. Will number 12 be the same quarterback we saw before his injury? Wayne Larravee joins Gene Miller with a game recap, 751 Monday on Wisconsin's Morning News. Check that out. Okay, if you're a regular listener to this program, you know that I I am deaf on drunk driving. But at the same time, I I try to be practical in this. And, And I try to figure out, okay, what... What do we need to do to really deter people from doing it in the first instance and then also stop people from doing it over and over again? My basic belief is that the problem we have with carnage on the roadways, it's not it's not the guy or the gal that has the one too many beer at the office after at the fish fry after work. And gets caught driving with the blood alcohol level, the legal blood alcohol level, level is 0.08 in Wisconsin. It's not the person that gets caught with the 1.0. Now, I'm not, I'm not condoning that person drinking and driving. But if you look at the carnage on the highways, the real problem is the repeat drunk drivers. The people that are out there time and time again doing this just completely blotto, blood alcohol levels of 1.5, 2, 3, whatever. That, that's where the, the problem, I, I think, really lies, and that's where I think a lot of the resources should be put. All right, the way the law works now, first offense drunk driving, first offense. In Wisconsin, first offense drunk driving is not a crime. It is an ordinance violation. I think it should be a crime, but the legislature has not come around on that. Um, but still... There, there are some nasty penalties that go along with it. Lots of, you know, heavy fines. It jacks up your insurance. A lot of times you have, you have to go through the counseling thing. It's not a picnic, even though it's not a crime. Under the law right now, first offense, drunk driving. If you get caught with a blood alcohol level of .15 or over, so essentially you're almost double the legal limit, what happens is, you have to sign up for an ignition interlock, this breathalyzer thing, where before you can start your car and drive it, you know, you've, you've got to blow into it. Um, I, I know a couple people who've had this. 
the the technology is not great to tell you the truth these things break down a lot and and they're really expensive um you know typically it costs you have to pay about 150 dollars to have one of these things installed and then you have to pay a fee of somewhere between 50 and 100 dollars a month to have these so this is a boon to again the companies that produce this stuff and monitor this stuff right now first defense drunk drivers if you get caught over 1.5, so essentially over double the legal limit, that is one of the conditions. And you have to have it on, I think, for about a year. I think that's how it works. A handful of Democrats are introducing legislation which would change this law and would say for anybody convicted of first offense drunk driving, anybody, you would have to have this ignition interlock on your car for, I think it's probably going to be a year. That's how it typically works. So you'd have to pay the money. You'd have to blow into this thing. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Feel free to say that I'm being soft on drunk driving because I really don't think I am. I think this is unnecessary. I think that it's one thing to put the ignition interlock on, you know, people who are repeat drunk drivers, or first offense drunk drivers who've been driving blind drunk. But to say to, again, that first offender drunk driver who's just slightly over the legal limit, and I'm not condoning it at all, that for the next six months or the next year, you have to have one of these ignition interlocks on, I don't believe that that's really going to accomplish much, that's going to accomplish much. Repeat drunk drivers, absolutely. And I would be emphasizing throwing the book at repeat drunk drivers. But this is an expensive thing to go on. It is a very intrusive thing. And I really wonder what you are going to accomplish. I mean, how many of the first offense, just a bit over the limit people are necessarily going to go on to be the repeat drunk drivers? If they go on to be repeat drunk drivers, throw the book at them. Okay, 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And my guess is maybe you also know somebody who's had this ignition interlock thing on and you know had to deal with the whole thing. I think if we're going to spend resources, there's all sorts of things that we could do in the area of drunk driving to make us safer. 414-799-1620. We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. 1251. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 1254, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's the first match of the season between the Milwaukee and Chicago Milwaukee Bucks and the Chicago Bulls. It happens this evening at the BMO Harris Bradley Center. Bucks Bulls with Ted Davis and Dennis Krause on the call. Buckshot coverage begins at 6:40 here on WTMJ. All right, some Democrats in the state legislature are introducing a proposal which would say anybody. Anybody convicted of first offense drunk driving, regardless of what the blood alcohol limit is, would have to have, um, I think for a year, one of these ignition interlock systems on there. I think that this is unnecessary. I am death on drunk driving. I think there's all sorts of ways you can go after and increase the penalties. To me, this is not necessarily, this to me, it's going after the wrong people. I would rather see us concentrate resources and put the repeat drunk drivers in prison. Russ in Delavan. Russ, you're on 620 WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. How you doing? Good. Hey, uh, uh, like I told you, screener, uh, no offense, but personally, I think you're nuts. Um, I, I have absolutely, in this day and age, 
if, if there are absolutely no excuses for drinking and driving. Well, who's, make, who's making and, an excuse and I, for and drinking and driving? First offense or not, because if, even if it's first offense, you know better. And and you you, you do the crime, you pay the price. Um, you know, it doesn't. It only takes that that one time or that first time you do it to go out and kill somebody. Um, I, I I have absolutely no problem with this. If you're foolish enough to do it and you get caught, you're you pay the price, and I don't care what the price is. Well, we okay. don't stand we don't stand on drunk drivers hard enough, and. Uh, if, if it takes something this petty to get somebody's attention, I've got no problem with it. Well, I guess the question, though, Russ, is, I, look, it, it's not a question of being soft on drunk driving. It's a question of what are appropriate penalties and where do you put your, your resources? And I guess I'm sitting there thinking for, again, the first-time drunk driver, the, the person who has made a mistake – I mean, see, I don't accept that this idea that well, you know, everybody that gets caught, gets caught for drunk driving is is this you know hopeless alcoholic. There are people who make legitimate mistakes, right? That, I think that that there are, and then there are people who don't learn from their mistakes, and that's where I would like to see us put our resources, including you know taking the people that drive without their licenses, um, or drive with revoked licenses because they're drunk or whatever. That's where I want to see the resources put. Take away the cars, put them in jail, do things like that. I guess I look at this and say, okay, to what end? How many people are you really going to catch with something like this? And and is it is it an appropriate penalty? Now, clearly, if you have somebody, and this is the way the law works now, that is driving blotto, you know, with that double the legal limit, the 1.5, yeah, then, then they have to have the ignition interlock. And, and I think, to me, that makes perfect sense, because that's somebody who didn't necessarily just make a mistake. They went out and got themselves blotto. Um, Tom in West Bend sends a text. I agree, Jeff. For example, the elderly couple that goes out on Friday night for a fish fry, he has two old fashions. On the way home, his taillight burns out. He gets stopped by the local authority, it's crazy to think that he would have to use this device for an extended period of, of time. And I, I think that, you know, you, you have to you have to figure out what is the appropriate penalty for this. Now, I understand that there's no sympathy for drunk drivers. Um, Greg and Appleton says, throw the book at them. Confiscate and auction the car. Revenues go to alcohol treatment programs. Okay, well, that's that's fine as far as it takes it. But, 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 for the first offender, I mean, that's like saying, all right, we're going to start to warehouse, you know, everybody the first time they commit an offense. I would make first-time drunk driving a crime. I think it's a travesty in Wisconsin that it continues to be the equivalent of an ordinance violation. I think it's a travesty about that. I think you need to do all sorts of stuff to, again, enhance your ability to get drunk drivers off the road. All in favor of that. I'm just saying I think that this particular thing, is it going to be punitive? Yes, it's going to be punitive. Does ignition interlocks stop people from driving drunk? Yeah, it it does stop people from driving drunk. But how many of those people are going to be the people that got caught as first offenders just a little bit over the limit? Isn't it perhaps overkill? And I understand there's no sympathy for drunk drivers, and I really don't have any either. I'm just trying to say if we're going to use government resources and we're going to impose penalties, don't we want to impose penalties that are really going to go at stopping the problem? It is 1259. Coming up in the next hour of the program, the Matt Lauer story refuses to go away. It's the Chris Abley Law. And of all the businesses that you might not have thought were struggling, 
Now, here's one. Subway's in a bit of trouble. Stick around. One oh nine, Jeff Wagner. So, Eric. All right. When, when you're in the mood for a submarine sandwich, what kind of guy are you? Are you a cousins guy, a subway guy, a Jimmy li- John's guy? Uh, I like Jimmy John's because it's quick, it's easy. So they're my number one. Okay. Subway and cousins. Eh, course huh. a piece. See, I'm a cousins guy. I, I'm, I'm a cousins okay. guy, and um, and I've really, but I, I have several friends who are subway guys. You know, who just have have liked all the stuff and subway was you know one of the the i mean they were they were the leader for the longest mm-hmm. time oh, subway yeah. kind of dominated everything subway has fallen on hard times is that jared's fault well that's that's an interesting thing um jared of course the subway guy who is their spokesperson for for about 15 years 2000 to 2015 who um is now a guest of the federal government right <laughs> as, a, as, a, as ever yes. being convicted of uh uh, paying for sex with minors and receiving child pornography. He's doing 15 years in a federal prison. So, um, but interestingly enough, um, after after Jared went away, um, Subway started started declining dramatically. Hmm. So now I bring this up with Eric because there is a story I want to talk with you. It's actually it's interesting. Here here's the background. Um, Subway has seen its customer traffic plummet. 25% over the past five years. 25%. Now, now the Jared thing is 2015. So, I mean, it, it actually, the, the decline was starting before, you know, Jared got sent to prison. But um, they, they had that scandal. You've had fierce competition. So um, here's, the, here's the deal. Here's what's interesting. Um, Subway, they, they have franchises. You get the Subway company, and then you've got people who, you know, buy a franchise. Um, Subway apparently is saying, okay, well, what we're going to do is we're going to, the company, we're going to have, we're going to take $25 million and we're going to um, boost our marketing this spring. They've got 44,000 locations across the country. And here's what the company says we're going to do. We're also going to bring back the, the promotion that we've done that's very, very popular, four ninety nine for foot-long sandwiches. All right, so that that's what we're going to do. Well, um the concern that Subway has is that customers no longer see their sandwiches as a bargain versus their key competitor, a McDonald's. McDonald's is actually viewed as the key competitor to Subway. So they say, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going we're gonna to be price conscious. We're going to bring back the, the $4.99 foot long deal. The problem is that you have these franchise owners who are now going apoplectic about this because they're saying, wait, our, our profit margins are slim to begin with. And here's the problem. Um, you you make us do this four ninety nine sandwich thing, and you're going to you know make a lot more of us just unprofitable because we, we can't make money with these four ninety nine sandwich promotion, pro, uh, promotions. And so there's an apparently now a petition that's circulating among franchisees saying this is this is not the way to go and you know you can't you know you're you're killing us by doing this stuff and if you you know make us sell sandwiches for 4.99 you're going to drive a lot of us out of business. All right, our number 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text line. Like I say, um Eric Bilstead, he says that he's a Jimmy John's guy because it's quick and 
kind of cheap. Um, I, I've always been a Cousins guy. I mean, it's a local family. It's a local chain. I, I've liked that. But Subway has been the big gorilla when it comes to the sandwich industry. And Subway is struggling to the point that you have franchisees saying, hey, if, if you make us you know, sell these four ninety nine sandwiches, you're going to put some of us under because there's no profit there. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. What happened to Subway? We're, now, again, I mean, Subway, they got 44,000 locations nationwide. So that, that means there's still a lot of Subway places out there. Um, was it the Jared thing? Was it the fact that they're not price competitive? Um, Subway has always marketed themselves as being kind of a healthy alternative. So when people started, you know, wanting that healthier food, that they, they were there to take advantage of it. Is there not as much interest in that anymore? What, what happened to Subway? And if you were a Subway fan or are a Subway fan, what do you think is going on? 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I actually think it's a combination of things, and I'll share those with you. But I'm kind of curious. What's going on with Subway? Because... Yeah, look at some of these stories. You lose 25% of your business over a period of five years with a steady decline. you got a problem. We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 114, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 117, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's one of your last chances to take part in our Kids to Kids Christmas campaign this evening. Bring a new unwrapped toy to Panther Arena and watch the Admirals take on Iowa at 7 p.m. You will then receive a buy one, get one ticket offer for a future Admirals game. Help those who need it this holiday season. Kids to Kids Christmas from WTMJ, the Salvation Army, and Capco Metal Stamping. I, I, I thought this was interesting. That Again, we, we like to go out. We, we like fast food and things like that. Subway, the dominant sandwich maker, their numbers have gone down dramatically. They've lost 25% of their business over the last five years. Um, one of their solutions now is let's bring back this four ninety nine sub special, and a number of the franchisees are complaining about that, saying the problem is we we're giving the stuff away. We can't make money. Our profit margins aren't any good now, and you know it's going to be worse if you make us do this like cut rate promotion. What's going on? Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Let's start with Bill and Sullivan. Bill, good afternoon. Hi. Hi yeah. Um, you know, I I think. When they went to the you know mass market, um, they were very good in the beginning. I used to love Suburbia. I don't know if you remember oh, that. Oh, I'm a smart man eats it in a bag. I remember Suburbia absolutely. <laughs> the mile standish, sure, yeah. Oh my God, it, it was the best. And the closest I can find is a Jimmy John's now, mm-hmm. um, but that's a pre-prepared, and you don't get what you want on them. But I can see where. You know, somebody would be losing their money because you can load it up with condiments and make a sub that costs more than it makes. Yeah, well, or, I mean, then it's worth. Well, thanks for calling. I mean, I see, Bill. I think there's a couple of things going on. Now, here's here's one. Uh, on our text line, I stopped going to Subway when they stopped carrying my favorite bread, honey oat. Maybe about a year ago, I always preferred Jimmy John's and Cousins over Subway, but the bread kept me going back. Um, I, I think. You know, that's that is a concern that they have. I think, you know, when you change ingredients, it makes a big deal. Ken in Green Bay. Ken, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi. Hi, Ken. Um, I used to eat at Subway, you know, all the time and and from from day one and 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 even even today, it's 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 the bread. It's I mean, as far as I'm concerned, it's a glorified hot dog. bun. I eat at the uh, at, at Cousins now because mm-hmm. Cousins has great bread. Yeah. Yeah. 
So it's that and, simple. Right, and, and so they just don't like them as well because they change they change the materials. I I guess so. Yeah. No. I I, I mean, see, I, I think there's a couple things going on. I, I think that's one. A number of people are talking about the the change in the bread. Number two, no matter how you slice it, at no pun intended, advertising does matter, and, and that Gerald Jared Fogel was an outstanding spokesperson for Subway. Everybody knew about Jared. And I, I think the truth of the matter is, when he took a fall, that, I think, hurt Subway. I think it hurt the brand because he was inextricably linked to Subway. And that's one of the dangers. First of all, I mean, he did a lot for, I think he did a lot for raising their, their profile. But that's one of the problems you have when you as a brand or store become completely and totally linked with, uh, again, any sort of personality, and that personality then, you know, has as tough a fall as Jared did, no sympathy for him, but, you know, it, it actually, it takes the business as well. I don't think that they've ever recovered from that. You know, in addition, I, I think when there's a lot of restaurants and businesses, there's always a challenge to come up with that new next best thing, and I'm not sure Subway has done that. Um, you know, Subway does, you know, what they do, but people are always out there looking for new stuff. It's why you might wonder, you know, why is McDonald's constantly introducing new menus or things like that or, or new things? It's because they're always trying to find what that next big thing is going to be. Let's talk to Jeff in Milton. Jeff, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, Jeff. How are you? I'm well, thank you. What do you think? Well, here's our issue with Subway. We used to eat there quite a bit. You know, we have um, kids, you know, family of four, and we'd like a healthier option. But we stopped going there just because their prices are too high for what mm-hmm. you get. You know, they used to have a $5 foot long, or a 6 inch used to be $3 or less. Well, now most of their subs are almost $7 for a foot long. And then you add in a bag of chips and a soft drink, it's like $9. And this $9, family of four, yeah. it's just too much. For for a cold sandwich, yeah, right. So that's why we stopped going there. Yeah, so you're, you mean you're talking about twenty seven, thirty five bucks or so for you know a handful of sandwiches? Yeah, that's that's a that's a night out. <laughs> it yeah, really is absolutely. No, yeah, that's for, our issue. No, no. Well, and I think that that's a valid thing as well. But again, that's why um, you, you, it's interesting because you've got some of the franchise franchisees saying, "Hey, look, we're trying to build business up, and when we lower the prices to four ninety nine, well, okay, yeah, we can get some business, but we can't make money at four ninety nine." At least not on a regular sort of basis. I it's I find it fascinating. I guess one of the reasons I bring this up is again I'm not really a subway guy to begin with, uh, but it does show how consumer tastes change. And, and one of the things I always talk about on this program is how you have things that are are institutions. They're the big dog in a particular industry, and you always figure that there's nothing that can happen to them. And then all of a sudden. They, they fail to adapt. You have a couple reversals. You have, you know, your icon, the, the guy that's, you know, tied in with your advertising. All of a sudden, you know, he goes to prison for chasing after, for sexually assaulting, you know, children. Well, okay, that, that brings you all down. I mean, the classic example of that big picture is Sears. I, I have this topic worked up that I don't think that we're going to get to, but um, about, about Sears. Sears is in a free fall. All right, when I was a kid, Maybe when you were a kid, Sears was the big thing. It's where America shopped. All right? 
you know, the Sears store, I remember when the Sears catalog would come out, that was the big deal. Even around here, you know, probably the biggest retail store in the area used to be the Sears store on North Avenue. I mean, that would, then you had Sears stores that were located all over. Now Sears stores are closing right and left. The company is hemorrhaging money. Um, you're selling off brands in effort to stay alive. And I think there's a very significant question about, you know, is Sears still going to be around as a brand five years from now, or at least as a standalone entity? Maybe they'll sell the brand name off to something, but, you know, is Sears going to be around? But at one point in time, it would have been unthinkable that Sears stores would have gone under. Well, I'm not suggesting the subway is going under, but it is a business, the business model and what they were doing, it worked for a long period of time, and it's not working anymore. 124, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 126, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Number of people texting saying um, that there's a lot of, uh, there are suburbias, right? See, now, Gru, who's producing the program today, do you even know what a suburbia is? You don't. You're shaking up. Well, there were, I mean, this goes back to when I was a teenager, and there were a whole bunch of, and this is before, I, I think this was before Subways. This is, I think, before Cousins. This, but there were Superpia, and they were submarine sandwich shops, and they they went through a couple of ownership, but they they had them all over, and they had they had a handful of different s- sandwiches they made, and then they kind of went away, and then they came back um, for a while, and there used to be more, and now there's still a couple of Superpias that are around, but they they have a handful, a limited series of sandwiches, but. Um, they taste the same now as they did back when I was like 20 years old. So every once in a while, I'll go check that out. But it does, again, show how competitive this whole market is when it comes to that. Okay, let's switch gears. Chris Abley, Milwaukee County Executive, back in the news. Abley, I, I give him credit. I give him credit. This is, see, when you're really, really personally rich, one of the things that you you quickly get used to is the fact that people don't say no to you you know if, if you you got a lot of money you you can pretty much get you know people to say yes 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 because you, you've got money and, and you make things happen and you can you surround yourself with people who say yes 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 chris abley milwaukee county executive who's not used to having people say no to him is unhappy that the taxpayers of Milwaukee County said no to him. And he's unhappy that the clown car acted as the county board said no. You will remember a year ago, Chris Abley wanted to increase the wheel tax. That is the registration fee that you, if you live in Milwaukee County, pay for the privilege of having your car in Milwaukee County. He wanted a 60 buck wheel tax. $60, and that would be on top of the $75 state registration tax, which is on top of the, what, 20 or $25 registration fee that you pay for the city of Milwaukee. So he wanted a $60 wheel tax. The county board said, no, we, we can't go along with a $60 wheel tax. Tell you what, we'll give you a $30 wheel tax. All right, well, that wasn't enough of an increase. Um, the matter then went to a non-binding, an advisory referendum, and the, the idea of increasing the wheel tax to 60 bucks got shot down about 70-30, ballpark. All right, Chris Abley didn't like that, so he's not used to being told no. So he came back and he said, I, I want it this year. Up it from 30 to 60, county board said no. So he's saying, well, look, I want you to reconsider this because we're going to have to make some budget cuts, and heaven forbid that we should have to make any sort of cuts at all. Let's just stick it to the people who own cars in Milwaukee County. I don't think that plea is going to go anywhere. But, but, members of the state legislature are about ready to make Chris Abley's dream of increasing the taxes on Milwaukee County taxpayers a little bit harder. 
there is legislation that's been introduced in the state senate and the state assembly which would say that before a local government whether it's madison or milwaukee or brown county or wherever before you could impose a vehicle registration fee a wheel tax you would have to have a referendum under current law municipal and county governments can impose a wheel tax um, without going to referendum. This would change that. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I think this is a good idea. Before communities could impose a wheel tax, should they have to take the matter to referendum? Should the voters get a chance to say yes or no? I say yes. We discuss next. It's 136. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ Arts. Right, so Republicans in the Senate and the Assembly are introducing legislation which would say that local communities would have to go to referendum if they wanted to impose a wheel tax, similar to, I don't know, the rules that now say that if you want to exceed your revenue caps for school spending, you've got to go to a referendum. Part of the legislation would also say for the communities that have wheel taxes, um, you have 18 months to have a referendum um, on that. 414-799-1620. Scott in Johnson Creek. Scott, you're first. Hello. Um, good afternoon, Jeff. Um, what I would say about this topic is that I support the idea, but I also think that if the state is going to impose this on local municipalities, then the, then the same rule needs to be imposed on the state if they want to increase vehicle reg- vehicle registration fees. How far would you take that? Um, would you... Would you apply it to other forms of taxes as well? Because right, right now you've got a state registration fee of 75 bucks. Would you say that we should have to have a referendum, for example, if we wanted to increase the gas tax? Yes. Okay. So you think that for all, all sorts of – for any tax increase, we should at least give the voters a chance to say yes or no? Yes. Yes, that's correct. Otherwise – well, yes, that's correct. Otherwise, then – if you want to go to a direct representative democracy, uh-huh. this is what state legislature, what the state legislator wants to do. Then you need to go to a one size fits all for all types of taxes. Well, right, and thanks. For, at least that's consistent. I mean, I, I, you know, because I, I appreciate, you know, at least intellectually, the argument you're making. That is, okay, if we're going to, if we're going to say to municipalities, you got to go to a referendum. Why shouldn't we say that we have to have a statewide referendum every time we want to raise taxes? Now, I don't think that's necessarily. I forget necessarily. I just don't think that's a that's practical. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Mark and on the east side. Mark, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Yeah, I I just don't agree with referendums in general because uh, would we want to have a referendum on the Foxconn deal? Would we want to have a referendum on? On just about anything, the reason we we have a representative form of government here, and the idea is you elect people to make decisions, and they're supposed to uh, look at the total situation and and make decisions based on based on whatever uh, hearings they have, whatever. And uh, I don't think we have should have referendums at all. It should be if you don't like the way your representative voted, vote them out of office. Would you apply that then to, for example, right now you need to have referendums before you can exceed revenue caps on school spending? Would you oh, say? Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Okay. Um, all right. Thanks for the call. Here's, I mean, here's the problem with that though. To the extent 
um, you get state transportation dollars. It's not like Milwaukee County or Dane County or Brown County operates in in a vacuum. I mean, they don't pay all of their transportation-related needs. They get state tax money as well. So to the extent that the state, and that's the same is true with with schools. I mean, you get a lot of money that comes from the state. So to the extent that the state has an interest in, you know, and to the extent that the state pays part of the freight, the question becomes, does the state have an ability to at least control, in some respects, how the taxation, how the how how much on top of what the state you pay as a state taxpayer that you end up having to pay as a member of a particular community? I have to tell you, I don't have and I understand the question of where do you draw the line? Should you have to have referendums everything? No, I, I don't think you need to have a referendum on the Foxconn deal. But I do think that these referendums, if we are going to hold taxes in line, and I do think that there is a state interest in holding taxes in line, I think that there is an interest in saying, all right, the people have a right to at least have input when it comes to you know how much they're going to be taxed for the common good. Um, candidly, for example, I, I think in Brown County uh, or Dane County, at least, you know, they just imposed a wheel tax. My guess is you could go to a referendum and it would probably win. Milwaukee County, I don't know about the $30 ref- wheel tax. I, I do know that we've already seen $60 wheel tax is a bridge too far. In addition, I think if you impose the referendum requirement, what you end up doing is you make the local politicians think about First of all, how much are they going to spend? And secondly, how are they going to justify it? Because as we've talked about before, when you're playing with other people's money, it's always easier to spend it. It's 141. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's 143. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. The voice of the Packers has more of an inside look at the team than anyone else who covers them. Read his exclusive game previews and hear his latest play-by-play podcast presented by your local Chevy dealer by texting the word Wayne to 414-799-1620. How cool is that? I'm kind of winding down. As I said at the beginning of the show, uh, today is my last show for the, the year. Not going anywhere, just kind of taking a little, taking two weeks of vacation. The good folks at Scripps are nice enough after all these years to give me some time and kind of bank that time, and we, we don't get paid for it, so either use it or lose it. So got a lot of stuff to do around here. You, If you see me out and about, please stop by and say hello. Chances are I'm next couple of weeks I'm involved in cleaning out one house, moving to another house, all that type of stuff, the fun stuff that you like to do. I went across the street, Gru, who's producing the show today, to, um, went across the street the other day to the U-Haul place. There's a U-Haul to get boxes, you know, so there's a place, and um, – I walk in, and I know some of the people there are listeners and all. And Well, Mr. Wagner, here's our big question. Why did you wait till December to move? Which is a, of course, it's a very, but I said, well, okay, the reality is you're lucky because this is your business. It's people moving. If people didn't move in December, you know, what would that do? And they said, well, you kind of have a point. And I said, well, it's not necessarily that I waited to December. It's just that things kind of work out in certain ways. And so, yes, we're in the process of, again, 
doing that. So I'll be off for a couple weeks, back right after the first of the year. We've got some really good fill-ins, so please pay attention to that. Also, if you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner 620 I will continue to try to be active on Twitter. I do want to wish you a very, very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. We've now had another trip around the sun and um, looking forward very much to 2018. It's going to be quite a year with all the elections coming up and certainly a lot of stuff to talk about. We get a head start on that in Wisconsin with what will be a contested um, race for the state Supreme Court where, again, the, the liberals, a conservative justice is retiring, and the liberals think this is a great opportunity to kind of cut the conservative majority. We'll see how that all plays out. We'll be talking about that a lot. Right before my program yesterday, you had the breaking news story, and I put that in quotation marks, uh, a big report from Politico, and then also followed up with something by from CNN, heavy eye roll, uh, about how Paul Ryan may in fact you know, want to retire after 2018. Uh, the story in Politico is Paul Ryan sees his wild Washington journey coming to an end. And, you know, it talks about a number of things. It talks about uh, the, the – and I, I, I've known Paul Ryan since he first ran for, for office, okay, I, and I – I have the greatest respect for Paul. As I said yesterday, he, he has this amazing ability. He is the smartest person in the room, but he has the ability to not necessarily let you know that he's the smartest person in the room. And that that's, that's saying a lot, because quite often, especially when you're dealing with politicians, the really smart ones are, are obsessed with making sure that you know that they're really smart. Ryan, he's smart, but again, he has what I would call the, the common touch in that regard. The, the point of the Politico story was... That Ryan is kind of frustrated with the process of being the Speaker of the House. He's got, um, it's sort of like my description would be herding cats. You know, you've got, you've got the long knives that are always out for you. You've got a, a, a working majority, but still you have about 35 members of this House Freedom Caucus. You know, the people to the far right who anytime you try to do anything which violates what they think is their principles. They're not going to back you, and there, there's always this pressure that's there that, hey, you know, if you do something we really don't like, we're going to have a no-confidence vote in you, all those different types of things. In addition, um, Paul Ryan's in an interesting situation. He's 48 years old, and his entire life has been built around Washington. Understand what I'm going to say. If, you know, if you're a congressman, you make a good living. Okay, you you make a good living, but at the same time, you're not making obscene bucks. You're not making millions of dollars, and you spend a bunch of money because you're traveling back and forth. You got residences in the district. You got res. You got to live somewhere in Washington. You you're you've got your family. In his case, that that's back in the Janesville area, and you're going back and forth all the time. It's also a, a very hectic life. Because you spend three or four days a week in Washington. Then on Friday, you're on a plane or Thursday night sometime. You're back in your district. And chances are, when you're back in your district, it's not like you're putting your feet up and watching football. You're out, you know, you're out meeting constituents. You're out campaigning. It, it's a constant, constant sort of battle. You're almost always running for for office. So, and, and that's that's true of, of any congressman. I'm not saying it's not a great job. It is a great job, but it's a job that kind of wears on you. And if you're Paul Ryan, in addition, because you're the Speaker of the House, 
um, you're always traveling, raising money for other candidates. So the, the point of the story is Ryan, is apparently people close to him saying, well, you know, he, he's really he, he's had enough and he's ready. And, you know, after 2018, not that he's not going to run again this November, but after 2018, he's, he's looking to perhaps, you know, do something different. Um, spokespeople for both the president and for Paul Ryan say there's no truth to this. This is just absolutely pure speculation. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. I would, and again, I, I, I don't think anybody knows Paul Ryan's mind until Paul Ryan makes a decision. There are people who said Paul Ryan will never take the job as Speaker of the House. Well, they were wrong. There are people who said that Paul Ryan will never agree to run for Vice President with Mitt Romney. Well, well they ended up being wrong. I, I don't know. And, and I think, you know, you're, my experience with Paul has been he's got a number of, it's a handful of really close advisors, and he takes his time to make up his mind. Who knows you know, who knows what he's ultimately going to end up doing. But having said that, he's 48 years old. You've got three kids who are growing up. And for any of you who've had children, I mean, I've just seen this with my niece and nephew, um, that, that really does go by in the blink of an eye. And now you're kind of getting to a point where your kids are, now they're in more activities, and, and you want to be that parent that's showing up for the basketball games, that's showing up for the football games, that's showing up for all the different stuff. You want to be that, but you've got a job that keeps you away. I guess if, if I were if I were just somebody looking at this from the outside, some people would say, I don't see how anybody could give up being a congressman. I don't see how anybody could, you know, give up, you know, the power and the perks that comes with being the Speaker of the House of Representatives. I don't understand that. Actually, I do. I, I do. I understand how at some point in time you, you get to a quality of life thing and you simply look at, you know, what your life is and you might have a great job, um, but there's stresses on the job. There's... You know, you, you have to, in some cases, put your family you know, second. You're not home as much as you'd like to be. Your kids are growing up. I understand if, and I, I say this, we're talking about in the Paul Ryan context, but, I mean, I've understood in the past why other politicians have walked away. Other people always say, well, how could anybody walk away from the U.S. Senate? How could anybody walk away from, you know, being a congressman? How could anybody walk away from this job or that job? I get it completely because at some point in time, no matter how great a job it is, maybe it's just kind of a quality of life thing as well. If Paul Ryan were to call it quits, would you understand why? Does that make sense to you if he decided, hey, you know, it's just it's time to do something different? 414-799-1620. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I'm not predicting it. I have no opinion at all about the accuracy of these various reports. I'm just saying if six months from now or a year from now, Paul Ryan said, hey, I'm not running for re-election in 2020, in 2020, I'd get it. I'd understand it completely. 414-799-1620, would you? Or could you just not understand how anybody could walk away from being... I don't know, third in line to the presidency. It's 152. We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 155, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. You know, whenever somebody prominent announces that they are retiring, 
or they're, they're not going to run for re-election in the case of politicians. Everybody's always like, oh, I, I can't believe somebody would do this. I, I, I don't know. I get it. I, I mean, and look, I don't know what's going to happen with Paul Ryan. Um, people close to him are denying these different reports that are suggesting that he's ready to leave Congress after the next term, after 2018. You know, he's saying it's just pure speculation, and people close to him, like the governor, are, are saying, no, we, we've talked to him, and this isn't true. I don't know what the case is, but worry to leave, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I I, I get the idea that maybe there, there's more to life than just bouncing back and forth, even though, you know, being Speaker of the House of Representatives is about as cool a job as they can possibly be. I get why you might want to do something different. Jennifer in Milwaukee. Jennifer, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Good morning. Hi, uh, Jennifer. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, yes, Jennifer. I, I did lose, um, I, I switched careers um, about 15 years ago. I stayed home with my kids for a couple of years, and I, I left a very good job. Um, and when I did go back to work, I made a career change when they were a little bit older. And spending time with your family, there's, there's nothing better than that, and there's nothing better than watching them grow up. They're only young ones. So for a politician to change career fields, or to stay home and quit, there's—I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Yeah, you get you get to a point where okay, or, or maybe you're going to do something, but it's like okay, well, I—is there more to life than than this? You know, what what do you want to do? And there's some people that, that get to Congress and they hang on, they hang on like grim death. They hang on the John Conyers of the world, you know, that hang on till they're 88 years old. And there's other people who just decide, well, okay, maybe. Maybe there's more to life than just being a congressman or a senator or, you know, whatever. And we want to experience that. And especially like you're talking about, if you've got young kids, you want to be more of a part of their life. You want to be around so you can go to their basketball games or whatever. Exactly. Track meets and be there when they, you know, then even when they're a little bit older and they're they're graduating from, you know, high school and you're there or they're going to the prom or to be there to sign them up for driver's ed. And if you're... Working and living out of Washington D.C., you're not even home with those children, or or being there. They don't really even know you, except for the times that Congress or whatever is on break, or you're not even you're not there. Yeah, well, thank, weekend well, dad well, well weekend right, parents. right. Thank, and, and even though you can do a good job of that, I, I think from the perspective of you know the, the dad, you you want to be you know even if you can balance the stuff, you you want to you want to be there, you want to be involved. In that I mean, I I get it, and you know we've seen all sorts of people who've who've walked away, you know, who, who've done a couple terms, you know, in you know in elected office, and then said, hey, there's just more to it than that. You know, Mark Newman was one. You know, you, you've had a number of people um, over the years in Wisconsin who've done stuff, and then they've gone back to doing other things. And actually, I have a great respect for that. Uh, Stephanie says, I wouldn't blame Paul Ryan a bit if he left. He's got young children. He wants to see them. Also, he can make a boatload of money in the private sector and see his family. Okay, now, Bill and Oconomowoc text, let's not forget these people know what they're getting into when they run for public office. Yeah, I get it. I, but I don't get the sense that I, even in this political article that Ryan was complaining, it was just, you know what you're getting into, and then you kind of decide, okay, I knew what i gotten into, and now I'm going to get out. Lori in Milwaukee says, I would totally respect him if he stepped away. How many times do we hear candidates say that they will only serve one term and they hang on for years? It takes a strong person to step away. 209, this is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ's Eric, before you go, I might have some bad news for you here. Uh-oh. Your cell phone, when you carry your cell phone, where, where do you carry it? Uh-oh. I keep it in my front pocket. 
in your in front pants. in your yeah. front pants pocket. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, Gru, who's producing the program today and always, when you when you carry your cell phone, where do you carry your cell phone? Same in your front pocket. Okay, well, all right, it's it's three on a match because yeah, well, I, I have my cell phone and um, when I carry it, I I, actually, I carry my keys and a little bit of cash in my front right pocket, okay. and I carry my cell phone in my front left pocket. Okay, so we're we're all we're all screwed. Is what this comes <laughs> kind of comes down to here. Here here's here's oh I'm just telling you here's the story. California health officials release guidelines to avoid cell phone radiation. California health officials have a new message for cell phone users. For the first time ever, the California Department of Public Health has released guidelines about harmful cell phone radiation and how you can avoid it. Dr. Karen Smith with the California Department of Public Health said, We recognize there are a lot of people in the general public that have some concerns about their cell phones and whether using a cell phone is safe. Now, let me just stop for a minute. Have you ever worried about whether using your cell phone is safe, Eric? You know, there have been stories from time to time. Have you ever worried about it? Well, now I am. Well, now well, I'm yeah, well, it's never occurred to me because I figure we're all going to die of something sometime. So anyhow, all right, whether using a cell phone is safe. I continue. Smith said, when you sleep, you keep the cell phone at least arm's length away from your body. Okay, now that's not a problem. I mean, okay. I don't sleep with my cell phone. But, but here's the thing. Also, you should not carry your cell phone in your pocket. Instead, you should either keep it in your purse or not carry it with you. Okay, which means, since I don't carry a purse, the choice is to not carry your cell phone with you. So now, what's the big concern? Oh, see, you had to go and ask. The research suggests cell phones could increase our risk for brain cancer and tumors, low sperm count, oops, headaches, as well as impaired memory, what were we talking about? <laughs> Hearing, can't hear you, and sleep. Research suggests cell phones could increase our risk for brain cancer and tumors, low sperm count, headaches, as well as impaired memory, hearing, and sleep. And they quote somebody from UC Berkeley saying, currently we're not doing a good job of regulating radiation from these devices. In fact, we're doing an abysmal job, blah 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 See, blah. that doesn't surprise me, though, that these would emit some type of ray that could do damage to your head or other parts of your body. New numbers show that cell phone use is higher than ever, with 95% of Americans mm-hmm, using sure. them on a regular basis. Okay, but this sort of begs the question. All right, I understand they're saying to women, carry them in your purse instead of carrying them in your pocket. All right, but for for guys, I mean, what what are we supposed? Seriously, I mean, what are, what Where am I supposed to? Yeah. I mean, if I don't carry a purse. What am I supposed to do? Leave your cell phone at home. That Doesn't that defeat the purpose of carrying the cell phone in the first place? I mean, to, that, to yeah. have it with you? You need a briefcase. Okay, well, I, I, did, I, I didn't mean to ruin, your, I didn't mean to ruin your, your Friday afternoon, but... Oh, and uh, Gru is saying that, you know, you're, you're not wearing the... All right, that... Okay, now, all right, 414-799-1620. Now, I, I do not mean to be an alarmist. At the same time, I don't mean to overreact. California is now warning people of the dangers of carrying cell phones. And seriously, they are suggesting you, you don't carry it in your pocket. You you either put it in a man bag or put it in a purse. Um, I guess maybe if you've got a jacket or something, but I don't know. I'm not wearing a jacket right now. Um, but don't 
don't put it in your pockets. Now, for I don't mean to be a naysayer here, but for decades I have been told, drink diet soda, don't drink diet soda. Drink wine, don't drink wine. Drink beer, don't drink beer. Eat cereal, don't eat cereal. And it seems like the research changes all the time. I guess I I understand theoretically that maybe this little device might be kicking out a tad of radiation, but maybe it's just me. I'm going to chance it, and and I'm going to tempt fate, and at least for the foreseeable future, I'm going to continue to carry my cell phone in my pants pocket. All right, 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If you, like me, like Eric, like Rue, if you are... If you're a guy and that's how, and or a gal, and, and that's where you carry your cell phone, are you worried with a safety issue here? Based on this report, we're now being warned that this could cause all sorts of bad things. All right, is this one where, you know, we're, we're all going to die of something someday, and I, I'm willing to take that chance? Or is that is that just an irresponsible type of thing? 414-799-1620. From my perspective, I'm going to have to see a lot, and I mean a lot more research, suggesting that there's really going to be all these bad things that come from carrying your cell phone with you before I stop carrying my cell phone with me. But that's just me, and I've had a really long, good life. 414-799-1620. All right, you're going to get rid of your cell phone. You're going to stop carrying it with you. You're going to get the man bag. Or are we just going to chance it, figuring that we're all going to die of something someday? 414-799-1620. We discuss next. It's 215. This is Jeff Wagner. 218, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Dave from Sherman Park texts. We went through this alarmist issue in the 90s when everyone and their cousins started selling the radiation-absorbing patch. I vaguely remember that. Uh, Philip says, Jeff, what about carrying our cell phone on our belt as guys? Is that safe? I, I don't know. We'd have to ask California. Justin says, this is another example of the nanny state in California, just like the signs required in parking garages that say exhaust fumes may cause cancer. I, I guess I, I just... I've seen this. I have lived long enough to see all this stuff. And, you know, we've got, okay, this is going to kill you, and that's going to kill you. And then three years later, it turns out that, no, you know, we told you not to drink this. Well, now you should be drinking this. Or we told you don't do this or do this, and now it turns out that we're completely wrong. I I mean, I I guess I, I understand that there's... Obviously, some radiation maybe that's being thrown off there. But, uh, again, cell phones have been around for a while. Until we start seeing empirical evidence suggesting that there's a real problem here, I, I think I'm going to still carry mine in my front pocket. I'll, I'll, I'll tempt fate. I'll tempt fate. Dennis in Mount Pleasant. Dennis, you're on WTMJ. Hello. 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 Hi, Dennis. What do you think? I'm, I'm I'm thinking the the lightweight signal that a cell phone puts out. Um, how would I not get a, a stronger hit if I were standing somewhere in the vicinity of your transmitting tower right, or a microwave oven? You know, my you know, I mean, what, what are we going to do? Microwave oven. What about cordless phones that you use in your house? I yeah. What about color TVs? Yeah, I mean, I I don't know, and, and your computer screens or whatever. I mean, I I've got this a guy just texted me saying I'm sporting a very tasteful tinfoil hat. Yeah, with all due respect, that's kind of what this. It's sort of like kind of what it sounds like here. I'm going to put on the tinfoil hat to protect me from the radiation. I um, thanks for the call. I'm just again. I I, I understand. Maybe maybe someday somebody's going to come back and say, remember. 
Remember that guy on the radio who was mocking people? You know, this study came out and said that these things were going to kill you, and we knew that that was the case. I was the guy, Grusey. You weren't around at the time, but Y2K, I mean, I was working here then, and I was one of these people who just pointed out that the only people who were really pushing the Y2K thing were the people who were like the survive, selling the survivalist stuff. You know, if, if you, you know, and of course, we were on the air then. You know, Y2K came and went with no big thing. And, you know, you'd say, I told you so, but it didn't really matter. Bob in Sheboygan. Bob, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi, Jeff. Long time listener. All right. What do you think? Are you going to change the way you carry your cell phone? Uh, well, no. Uh, two years ago, I found a study on the uh, Internet about the exact same thing you're talking about. And uh, it brought me to a website or a web link to where I can... I have my cell phone in a case, and it won't let the radiation uh, absorb out of that case. So I've been having that for about a year and a half now. So they do sell devices out there that instead of leaving it in your purse or leaving it at home like you were saying, right? they, they make devices where you can put your cell phone in and not worry about Oh, okay. Not getting a, a, a third appendage okay. Okay. <laughs> coming off the body. <laughs> okay. okay, Bob, I, I, I got two questions. All right. First of all, how much did that case cost you? Do you remember? Uh, it was only, I believe, $59. 60 bucks. Yeah, plus shipping. Shipping and handling. 60 bucks plus shipping yeah. and handling. Okay, now my second question is, Mm-hmm. Are you legitimately concerned about radiation from the cell phone? Uh, well, obviously, you, dro- you dropped 60 bucks to get the, the thing. So you, 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 f- you felt this was a realistic worry. And, you know, I, I got used to putting it in the case, and it, it flips open and stuff, yeah. you know, so that the case, I don't mm-hmm. have to pull the phone out of the right. case. Right, okay. Know? No, all right, all right, Th- thanks for the call. 60 bucks. 60, this, this does have these Y2, yes, he grew, this is why you and I are not going to be rich. We should have been the guys, like, like two years ago, who developed the, the radiation impervious cell phone case that probably cost you about 25 cents to make. And you sell it on the internet for 60 bucks, plus shipping and handling. And I, I, I guess, I, no, it's, this is, we could have been rich if we would have thought of this stuff. My wife sends me a text. She says, you can carry it in my purse. I said, well, <laughs> you don't have to. I'll carry it in my No, I, again, I, maybe I am tempting fate, but I'm not going to spend $60 to buy you know, the, the radiation-absorbing case. I'm willing to chance it. I'm, I'm, willing, I'm willing to chance it, and maybe you're going to all have this giant I told you so. I present this information simply to allow you to make your own choices. And, you know, if, if you're worried about this as well, well, okay, there, Bob's got the radiation-absorbing case. Radiation-absorbing case. Hmm. All right, let's see. Lori in Spring Green says, butter. Don't eat butter, eat margarine. Now we say, don't eat margarine, eat butter. Another text. Jeff, think of how much radiation is going through the air if all these phones are giving off this radiation. Phones, air traffic, Wi-Fi. <sighs> Like I say, I've, I've kind of drink light beer. Don't drink light beer. I'm just, I'm just, I, I'm kind of like, well, I'm not going to try to be irresponsible with my life. But you know what? I think the cell phone stays in my front pocket. Sperm count be damned. It is 224. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's 227.
Chuck Wagner, WTMJ. Um, I just spent I just spent the last two minutes researching cell phone, um, you know, cell phone anti radiation cell phone EMF shields, and well, it depends. You can buy you can buy one for eight dollars and sixty nine cents, or you can buy some for a um, okay. This this is God's way of telling you that you have too much money. Um, there is something called the Aries Aries Shield. Um, you can get the basic Aries Shield, which costs thirty nine dollars. A silicon based microprocessor that decompresses oscillations of electromagnetic fields. Okay, that's for thirty nine bucks. On the other hand, if you wanna if you wanna make sure that you're gonna be safe. You can spend $249 for the Ares Defender Utility, which has two, two count them, next-generation nine-core silicon-based microprocessors that provide universal protection from electromagnetic smog of the broadband frequencies. So, you know, if you're really concerned about this, now, do you actually need any of these things? Well, I'm looking at a series of stories, and um, many, many of the websites that advertise this Refer back to, um, gee, the, there, there's few references to actual studies that are published in peer-reviewed journals, but um, apparently um, there, there's a lot of stuff coming out of, of Russia, St. Petersburg State Polytechnical University, um, which suggests that research conducted at the Kurov Military Medical Academy, although it's unclear why a military academy would conduct clinical research on cell phone radiation, um, uh, gee, and there's no names of scientists, but I guess the, the bottom line is, now see, if I were going to drop this kind of dough on this, I mean, I'd want to be safe. I mean, I'm, I, I mean, I'm not going with the $8 one off of Amazon. I mean, if, if you think you need this, I'm going for the 250 buck one. But seriously, before anybody gets any ideas, you got to convince me that it's going to work. That's my deal before I do advertisements for stuff. So I'm not quite sure that I am there quite yet. But there are, there are studies, and, and you can get them. And our listener paid sixty bucks for one, but you you can spend up to two hundred fifty dollars for a really good one. Hey, it's just in time for Christmas. If you're looking for that hard to find person, the hard to shop per, for person on your list, two hundred fifty dollars for the cell phone radiation blocker. Hmm. All right. Winding down my program for 2017. Uh, today's my last day before the end of the year. Got a couple weeks of vacation. It is that time of the week. This is going to be the final pop culture corner of the year. It is going to be a fun one. And no, it's not Star Wars related. I understand that Star Wars is coming out, but we did a movie one last week. Uh, this today's comes from the world of music. So stick around. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's 2.35, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Can't go wrong with a little Glenn Fry and Smuggler's Blues, no doubt about that. We have reached that point in the week where we put aside the heavy lifting. We stop pondering the future of tax reform. It's going to happen. Will it be good for you? It kind of depends. You're going to have to put pencil to paper and see. I think in general, the tax reform they're talking about is going to be good. I think most people will end up paying less in taxes, at least for the foreseeable future. Will people who make more money and now pay more taxes end up paying proportionately a, a, 
Will they will, will it benefit the rich more than it benefits the poor? Probably, just to an extent that the more taxes you pay, um, if you get a break, well, chances are that you're you're going to you're still going to be paying a lot more than somebody who doesn't make as much money as you do. But yes, you'll probably get a dollar larger dollar break than somebody who pays very little in taxes. But I think in general, most people are going to get a tax break, and I think it's going to be a good thing. I was watching Good Morning America today, and George Stephanopoulos, who is just, of course, giddy at the fact that, you know, Republicans are getting some bad press, he was talking about how, well, this is a very unpopular bill. What's unpopular? Because people are relying on the media coverage of it, and they don't know what exactly is in it. I suspect that, uh, in general, for most people, it will work to their advantage. But in any event, we're not talking about tax reform. We're not going to talk about the impact of sexual harassment and who's going to lose their job next and those different issues. We're not going to talk about you know whether or not the president should be impeached. And thankfully, we're not going to talk about Roy Moore in Alabama and what it means for the Republican Party. We have a little bit of fun in this segment of the program. I call it Pop Culture corner and every week we talk about sometimes it's movies and i was tempted to do something star wars related but i haven't seen the movie and i think not yet hopefully i'll be able to see it tomorrow but i think a lot of you probably will but necessarily haven't yet so maybe we'll hold off on that and sometimes we talk about tv and sometimes books and sometimes cars and sometimes sports Today I want to turn to something that i've really been getting more acquainted with again i, I want to go back to the world of music now i For most of the time that I have worked here, I've had a very, very short commute. I mean, it's only been like five or ten minutes. Now, just given stuff that's going on in my life, I I get a lot of windshield time. I've got about a 35- or 40-minute commute for the moment. It's going to decrease in a month or so, I I think. But So I I spend a lot of time in the car. And and what I I do is um, I will, of course, listen to WTMJ. But in addition to listening to WTMJ, I will frequently listen to music. I have satellite radio. I've got Sirius XM. I've got all my presets on there. And I have my iPod that um, has over 8,400 songs on it. And so I I never know exactly what I'm going to be in the mood for. But it, it has been interesting when you're in the car and like, for example, yesterday, I went back and forth from West Bend twice. So I mean, it's kind of like you're spending about three hours in the car. And so you're listening to tunes. And so one of the interesting things about this, as long as I've been doing it for the last couple months, is it really has, I don't know, reacquainted me with with music that I I hadn't heard. I I hear this song saying, boy, because it it gives me this uninterrupted chance to, like, listen to music a lot of times. And I'll say, boy, I haven't heard that song in in ages. Or I haven't thought about that group in in ages as I kind of flip through the presets. Or, boy, I had never heard this particular song. I found a couple of these obscure channels on Sirius that I kind of, I I listen to. But it's really got me thinking more and more about music. So I thought for our final pop culture corner of the year, and we are broadcasting we're live streaming this on facebook live so you can go to facebook.com slash 620 wtmj and you can see how we do this i I thought we'd do something from the world of music so pop culture corner i'm still trying to decide again i'm trying to decide what my answer is to this and as we go through the discussion maybe you'll you'll help steer me in that direction but pop culture corner this week here's what i want to talk about I, I call the segment Desert Island Discs. You get you get one album, one CD, 
And that's the only CD that you get to listen to. You, I don't know, you're in the waiting room, waiting to outside of heaven, waiting to see St. Peter. And there's going to be a little bit of time. You get to take one album with you. What is that album? What is that CD? Your one CD that you're going to have, if you can only listen to one, what is it going to be? 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Again, we can participate that way. We're live streaming Facebook.com slash 620WTMJ and the old-fashioned way. Um, I always advise people, call quickly. The phone lines tend to jam up. And don't overthink it. But that, that one album, your Desert Island Disc, it's 240. We're back to take calls in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. Uh, this is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 243, Jeff Wechter, WTMJ. Okay, let's start with um, Pat in New Berlin. Hi, Pat. You're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. What do you think? You're, okay, the one album, it's your Desert Island disc. What is it? Well, uh, it's one of my favorites, uh, Pink Floyd the Wall. <laughs> that's, the one, that's the one with the helicopters, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, I, well, it's a double album. Right. So it's two CDs, so you get, you get twice. Right, like right. Music. Well, no, that, that see, and that makes sense. That's that's a, an interesting way to approach it. Thank, no, I, I, the reason I ask that is I've, I've told the story before. But when I was in law school, um, I, I I shared a townhouse with a very close friend of mine, and the guys that lived next door, um, they used to have parties at eleven thirty or twelve o'clock at night. That's when they'd start, and they, they'd start by playing the helicopter thing from Pink Floyd, The Wall. And so I have a special reaction to that. Okay, on our Facebook Live, uh, Jim says. Graceland by Paul Simon. Lori, Paul, I saw Paul Simon. I love Graceland. Um, Lori says Joshua Tree by U2. That would be a good one as well. Tim says Alice in Chains, um, Unplugged. Hmm. John says Kid Rock, Devil Without a Cause. Oh, good tunes. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Justin in Evansville. Hi, Justin. You're on WTMJ. Hey, thanks, Jeff. Sure. Um, my album would be Gaucho by Steely Dan. Mm-hmm. Why Gaucho um, as opposed to um, some of the yeah Asia probably which is probably their best known one. Well, I, I wasn't born until the early '80s, so my dad was was really into Gaucho kind of as I was growing up. Okay, um, and I just I, I remember him trying to explain to me what these songs meant. Right, um, <laughs> uh, and and I just have fond memories of listening to Hey Nineteen and yeah. FM and Time Out of Mind. And, yeah. Um, just a great band, I think, but but that would be my album. Okay, well, that's fair, and it's, it's interesting. I, I love Steely Dan. Matter of fact, I was, I, I, I go through these moments where I, I'm kind of a completist, so uh, about about a week ago or so, I fire up the iPod or one of the drives, and, you know, I, I was listening for, like, two or three trips back and forth. I was listening to, you know, two or three of the Steely Dan um, albums, and a lot of great stuff there. 414-799-1620, John in Waukesha. John, good afternoon. I could go easy and say any kind of Beatles song, but I'm going to go with Tom Petty's greatest hits. You know, when you look back at all the different performers that we lost in 2017, Tom Petty's going to be right up there. Just a guy who, you know, passed away way too soon. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, Great music too. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, thanks. I mean, it's it's interesting. I saw. I didn't see Tom Petty at Summerfest this year when he did the two shows, but I, I saw him. You know, one of the last times that he was here, and. What an American songbook. I mean, you know, you sit there and you listen to Tom Petty and you go, wow, I guess I'd forgotten that that was his song. And I'd forgotten that that was his song. And yeah, Tom Petty's greatest hits would certainly be there. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Dave in South Milwaukee. Dave, good afternoon. 
Hi. Hi, Dave. Your Desert Hi. Island disc. I I just all I grew up with the Beatles, and I think Abbey Road was one of their best. Um, okay, so Abbey Road is your favorite. Well, obviously, it's your favorite Beatles tune, a Beatles song, huh? Beatles record, huh? The album, yeah. Yeah, Paul isn't dead, you know. <laughs> remember, <laughs> remember when the, remember that album so, came cover came out? That was a big thing. Paul's got to be dead. Oh, He's yeah, barefoot yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah, I, I saw I saw him in Chicago about uh, four years ago, and it was unbelievable. Yeah, he puts on a, he puts on an incredible show for somebody any age, much less. You know, somebody that's as old as he is. No, that's tremendous. Thanks for call. I appreciate it. No, and that's um, obviously, you know, Abbey Road is just a, I don't know that I would say that that's my favorite Beatles album. Revolver, maybe? Have to think about that. Jeannie in Racine, uh, in Brookfield. I'm sorry, Jeannie, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Jeannie. I just wanted to say that my album of choice would be Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon. Okay. More so than The Wall, which our first caller yes, was talking absolutely. about. Absolutely. It's much less depressing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it doesn't have those darn helicopters in it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Works for me. No, thank, and I know a lot of people are just huge fans of Pink Floyd. Let's see. On our Facebook Live page, uh, Dave says Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon. He's with Eugenie. Mary says Bette Midler, The Rose. I really like Bette Midler. Um, yeah, the soundtrack to The Rose would be great. Um, let's see. Uh, let's go over to our text line here. Michael Jackson's Thriller. Yeah, that's that was really, really big. You know, Thriller and a lot of great tunes. Uh, Rick from Eau Claire says, Led Zeppelin, the song remains the same live. Hands down, the best live album ever. Um, Neil Diamond's Hot August Night. My dad forced us to listen. Now I do the same with my kids. Uh, there you there you get them. Um, let's see. Prairie Wind by Neil Young. Here is a text. This is from Derek. Just arrived today from Michigan. We're at Cocoa Beach, Florida. I would say the album I would have to be there would be Prairie Wind by Neil Young. Stay warm up there. Thank you. We will uh, do that. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to, let's see, Mark downtown. Mark, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hello. Um, I would have to go with Yes songs by Yes, of course. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. You were a Yes fan going back in the day, huh? Oh, yes, uh, very much so. Um, John Anderson and the whole whole crew. I, I saw them at the uh, arena way back in probably '76. Right. It was extremely loud, but it was extremely good. Yeah. Well, that's the. I mean, right. You well, you go to a Yes show and you're you're going to see that. Now, thanks for the call. I'm trying to think. Um, uh, the easy thing for me to be would would be to say. I mean, my, my favorite Jimmy Buffett album. I'm a huge Buffett fan. Is, is A1A. I will. Um, but I'll tell you. Um, Born to Run by Springsteen, I, you know that's that's the album that he really hit it big on. You know he had he had two I think before that, but that that's I, I you know Born to Run um, might be as close to a, a perfect record album as there is. I mean every one of those songs is an incredible winner. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Let's talk to Jeff in Fox Point. Jeff, hello. Merry Christmas. Merry Jeff. Christmas, My, sir. Mine is Samstown by the Killers because lesser known songs such as Bling helped me get through my toughest semester of graduate school. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, that's. I mean, no, thanks for call and Merry Christmas to you. That's you know that's that's part of it too. That's one of the great things about music, and it's actually what I, I have found 
as I'm listening to all these different songs, not only on the iPod, but on Sirius or whatever, as I'm driving back and forth, you, you have these times that take you back to specific points in, in your life. For Bob Seger, for some reason, I mean, I don't know what it is, but like a Bob Seger song will come on, they'll play Night Moves, and it takes me, and I love that record. I mean, that would be in my top five as well. But you listen to like Night Moves, and it takes you back to, you know, where you were at the the time that that record came out. But it's all those different sort of things, and that's one of the powerful things about music. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to, uh, let's see, Randy in West Dallas. Randy, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Yeah, hi. Happy holidays. Same to you, sir. What do you think? Uh, would be uh, Prince. The uh, it would be a greatest hits, volume one and two. And you know, I would say Purple Rain, but uh, you know, his uh, his uh, his work is just too far ranged. You'll get all of his collection in volume one and volume two. I would never, never do anything or go anywhere without that. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, Prince just incredibly talented, and another one of these uh, performers who. Gone, you know, just gone way too soon. No question about it. Way too soon. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. Didn't mean to cut you off. Thanks for call. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to, let's see, um, Rich in Fond du Lac. Rich on WTMJ. Hello. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you, sir. Thank you. It's funny, I haven't heard any country listed so far, but I've heard some great music uh, listed by people. But right. my choice would have to be... Two for the show, a double disc live <laughs> album by Kansas. Like you know, I, I haven't, I haven't thought about Kansas in a long time. Kansas was huge at the time back in the day as well. Um, what about the what about the record? Why does it stand out to you? Um, well, because their musical quality, just the, they mastered their instruments more than right. just anything that's come out in the last 20, 30 years. They yeah. they. Just the level of skill that they have. Yeah. No. I, n- 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 no. Absolutely. Kansas. That works for me too. Let's see. Kurt says. A- I've got several people saying ACDC back in black. Yeah. ACDC something special. Uh, Curtis says Deep Purple's Made in Japan. Ken in Greendale sends us a text. Meatloaf. Bad out of hell. Um, I really like Bad out of Hell as well. All right, Mike and Appleton says, hey, the soundtrack to West Side Story. Yeah, we haven't had any stones here. We have another one, Rolling Stones. Um, let's see. Here's another one, and this um, Fleetwood Mac Rumors, and that's one of our textures. That would be in my top five as well. That's I, I talked about Born to Run being a, as close to a perfect album as there could be. It, it's sort of a different genre it's kind of that soft rock stuff, but I think you can make an argument that Fleetwood Mac's Rumors, which was their the, the second one they had with after Stevie Nicks and Lindsey Buckingham and all joined the band, um, that's that's as close to a perfect album as you can get as well. Jeff and Grafton. Jeff, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hey, Jeff. How are you doing? Good, good. Merry Christmas. I have to go with the Beach Boys, Good Vibrations. Uh Yes. I'm trying to think, Was is Good Vibrations, is that like their double album, or is was that one of their original ones with the song Good uh, Vibrations? That was, a, the, uh, that was a double, but then you also throw in Pet Sounds. Right. Yeah. Uh, no, thanks. I mean, I, I yes, I mean, I remember the Good Vibrations one. You know, Pet Sounds, I understand everybody talked about that as being Brian Wilson's masterpiece. I just, 
I didn't quite get that one like like so many other people did, but it was outstanding. Okay, I'm sorry. There's a lot of people we can't get to. Alan Parsons' instrumental compilation, Gene Pitney's greatest hit, Cat Stevens, the Woodstock album, hmm. Dean Martin's greatest hits, Bob Dylan, Bob Dylan's Highway 61 revisited. That would be a good one as well. Um, all sorts of great things. That's the wonderful thing about music. It brings you back to memories. And I kind of wanted to uh, wrap up Pop Culture Corner for the year um, on on that note. So no pun intended. All right. When we come back, I've got a couple final thoughts, and then we're going to turn it over to John McCure, who is on the road. It's 254. This is Jeff Wagner.